Well, hello there. Um, I am delighted to be with you. And uh, Pastor Tim, thank you for that warm welcome. I really appreciate the opportunity to share some thoughts about really the goodness of God and the goodness of his kingdom. This is something that I have spent time searching the scriptures on and searching even learning through church history. How is it that we understand the goodness of God in all the ebbs and flows of the church? How is it that we can lay hold of God's heart in these hours and, and really see the kingdom of God extended and expanded in our day? You know, um, the more you study scripture, and even the more you study church history, the more you come to the conviction, and this is where I've landed, this deep conviction in the very depths of my soul that the gospel is not just good news. It is the best news possible. It is the ultimate good news, and it can't be improved upon. It is good news for both men and for women. But friends, we all know that much of the world around us doesn't believe that. And the world and the spirit of the world is actually convinced uh, right from the very beginning that God was withholding goodness from mankind. If you think back to the Garden of Eden, you'll remember that Satan made it his mission to convince Eve that God was withholding goodness from her. He was withholding enlightenment and power from her and from Adam. And if she would only eat from the tree, that she would have more than what God was offering her. Satan misrepresented God so that Eve and Adam would doubt. And the echo of that same accusation, that same misrepresentation is with us today. An echo still moves through our world and is surrounding us in our culture. The same suspicion of God, the same accusation that his ways are restrictive, rather than being for our protection and for our flourishing. And as believers, it's vital that we know how to give a good defense for our faith, not so that we can be argumentative, but that so that we, like Jesus, can beautifully and fully represent the heart of the Father. For Abbotsford, for the people of Abbotsford, there's so many that have this perception that God is actually um, maybe a killjoy, one that wants to restrict their lives and fill it full of rules instead of release them into a place of shalom and flourishing. But praise God, the more we saturate ourselves with the scriptures, the more we get to know God through prayer, through worship, through fellowship, the more we become convinced of the goodness of God and the goodness of his gospel. You see, the gospel was called good news in Jesus' day, and it is still the best news there is today. Now, as I've mentioned, one of the specific accusations that the enemy brings against the church, or brings against God, which is in a sense the same thing, is that Christianity is oppressive to women. Is this true? Or is this a myth? 
Is this a myth that the enemy is trying to establish so that those that maybe aren't following Jesus and don't know him right now wouldn't even investigate him, wouldn't even consider him? Is it a myth that the enemy is trying to establish so that those are maybe wavering in their faith and are being buffeted by the spirit of the world will have seeds of doubt sown into their hearts? We need to resolve the issue, is God good and can we trust him? If there are doubts about the goodness of the gospel, we need to resolve this. Is it still good news or has society become more enlightened and has our society surpassed the gospel? I think if we look at scripture and if we look at the ways of God and the heart of Jesus, we can answer these questions. You see, Jesus brought us the gospel and it is not just his death and resurrection and ascension. Those are absolutely essential, central truths and not just truths, but historical facts that are at the center of the gospel. But it is not just his death, it is also his life. And it is also his teaching that brings us the kingdom of God. He set in motion this kingdom. He inaugurated the family of God, a family with an absolutely radical, upside down culture, the culture of the kingdom so different from the culture of today and so different from the culture of his day. It's a family that has as its ethos the love of the Father, the heart of the Father. Let's get a picture of Jesus' world, his context. How was it that he so radically um, affirmed and, and blessed and, and led women into flourishing in his context? What did his world look like? Well, in Jesus' day, it was the Roman emperor that dominated the world. It was an empire of power where might is right, where weakness was crushed. There was no mercy in this worldview. In the Greco-Roman world, they treated women in terribly demeaning ways. They were there for domestic duties, for child rearing, and for sexual pleasure, and essentially, full stop, nothing more. When Jesus was born, Israel had been under Roman rule for centuries, and the Roman culture of the day had seeped into Jewish thought and Jewish ways, to the point that Jewish men created a liturgical prayer that would be prayed every morning when they arose, and it went like this. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has not made me a Gentile, a woman, or a slave. You can see how this prayer encapsulates the thinking of the Greco-Roman world that saw women as a lower class, devalued people group. Women were not allowed to be witnesses in court. Their testimony was considered unreliable. It was scandalous to educate women. They were given no education whatsoever. Women could be divorced on a whim for whatever reason the husband desired. 
There was no security or means of provision. There was no way for a woman to fight back. Women were in a terrible place in the context that Jesus lived in, in the world that he came into. It was in this world where it was dangerous to buck the system that Jesus put in motion this radical new kingdom, the family of God, that treated women as precious sisters, those who were also made in the image of God and were utterly beloved by the Father. Let me take you to a story, and this will be our text for the day. I know I've done a long intro, but we're going to delve right into the scriptures right now. We're looking at Mark chapter 5, verses 22 to 42. I call this the story of two daughters, and it gives us an image of Jesus' heart for women. As I read this, I want you to notice the word daughter and who Jesus is referring to as a daughter. It's actually two stories within each other, the story of Jairus's daughter and the story of the woman with the issue of blood, a story within a story, all together showing us the heart of the Father towards women. Let's read the Word of God, starting at verse 22. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him, that's Jairus imploring Jesus, implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. Do you hear what's going on in this father's heart? This is his princess. This is the light of his life. My little daughter, he is imploring Jesus earnestly. He is desperate that there be a healing for his daughter. She means everything to him. She is such a delight to him. He would be absolutely devastated to lose her. This treasure this sweet little child is sick, and he comes to Jesus begging him for healing. Carrying on, verse 24, and Jesus went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard reports about how Jesus has come and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power had gone out, of, out from him, immediately turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. You see what's happening here? He's looking for the woman who previously had been invisible. 
He looked around to see who had done it. Nobody else had noticed her. She had been marginalized and pushed to the edges of society, impoverished, afflicted, rejected, isolated. Jesus is paying attention to her. He turned, he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Take my peace with you. Take my healing with you. Take my flourishing, my shalom with you and be healed of your disease. When he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any, any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw the commotion people weeping and wailing loudly. And when they had entered, he said to them, why are you making such a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside, and he took the child's father and mother and those that were with him, and he went into to where the child was. And taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha, come I. This tender, these tender words, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, and of course, she was healed. The story of two daughters. Jarius, who presents to us this image of this daughter that is so treasured and precious. And Jesus, who carries that same heart of a father, who treasures daughters. And he reveals it to this woman who has been so rejected by society by calling her a daughter. The scriptures give us this understanding of the heart of a father to a daughter. To a daughter who has been marginalized or to a daughter who has been received and welcomed and honored. And so for women, wherever they are at, wherever they feel as though there's been marginalization or impoverishment or oppression, see the heart of the Father carried in the words and the actions of Jesus. Jesus bringing healing and flourishing to women. And this is not the only time that Jesus restored dignity to women. It is actually all through his ministry. He discipled them. Now think of the story of Mary of Bethany. You remember the story of Martha and Mary? It's at the, at the, right at the end of Luke chapter 10. Let me read you a few verses. Now they went on their way, this is Jesus and his disciples, and Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed her, him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So, so Martha is getting, getting anxious about Mary sitting at the Lord's feet and listening to his teaching. 
And it's not just because Martha has so much work to do in the kitchen. It is because Mary has crossed over into what has traditionally been male territory, sitting at the feet of Jesus and being discipled by him. Martha is in a fluster about that, but listen to what Jesus says. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, and what she has will not be taken from her. This is Jesus' heart towards women. Jesus entrusted women with truth. You can think of the story of Martha uh, encountering Jesus as he comes to resurrect Lazarus and he teaches her this phenomenal truth. He teaches her alone and she brings it to the other disciples. I am the resurrection and the life. Those were the words that he entrusted to Martha. He included women in his company of, of disciples and you can see through uh, in Luke chapter 8 he has an, a company of, he brings his apostles and women accompanied them. They were a part of his entourage. He teaches in his parables and throughout his stories, he, he features women, using them as examples of persistence, of generosity and of faithfulness. He revealed himself in his resurrected form first to women. Now that is astonishing because the entire of Christianity hangs on this, this historical fact of the resurrection. Jesus is resurrected and he entrusted that revelation first to women, honoring them in an extraordinary way. He taught his disciples to treat them like sisters. And you can see in Paul's letters and epistles, he greets women. He honors them as co-laborers in the gospel. At Pentecost, he pours out his spirit upon men and women equally, empowering them to preach the gospel, to bring good news to the world around them, to be co-laborers with him. Friends, Jesus radically elevated, included, and honored women who had been so marginalized in his culture. He did it at risk, he did it at cost, and he set in motion the family of God where women are known as daughters, precious daughters, sisters, mothers, co-laborers, where there is a place for, for honor and for dignity because women just like men, were created in the image of God. So today, God is accused of oppressing women. And his church is accused of being a place where women are undervalued and restricted. Now, if we were going to be honest and vulnerable, we would have to say that at times that's happened. You see, the church is made up of broken people, and we at different times fall in sin and we, we don't always follow God's ways. But looking at that and holding that up and, as a representation of the heart of Jesus is not always going to help us. We need to look at the scriptures. We need to look at who Jesus actually is. We need to look at who Jesus actually represents, the very glorious 
and kind and passionate heart of the Father that treasures women so much. And so where there have been times of sin, where there's been times of, of uh, wounding for women, we need to actually repent. We need to be willing to say that was wrong. And we need women to be treated like uh, sisters and mothers and daughters. And I know that um, that's something that churches all over the world are processing and seeking to come to a place where we are more in line with the heart of God and more in line with the kingdom of God. You see, that has not been, nor ever has been, the Father's heart. The Father's heart is displayed perfectly in Jesus, perfectly in his gospel. And so today, if we're struggling, whether we're man or woman, young boy or girl, male or female, today is a day that you can stretch out your hand to Christ in faith. Just like that woman with the issue of blood, who knows you, he sees you, and he's willing to turn and release his healing, his peace and his shalom, and his, his flourishing into your life as you become one in his family, his beautiful family, his place of protection and flourishing and blessing. Let's pray. Father, I just pray for all of those who may be listening today and I just ask that your, your spirit, your presence would go and just minister to places of confusion, places of wounding, places of questioning your heart and your goodness. And reveal Jesus. Reveal once again in deeper ways what is true and what is a lie and what, what Jesus truly brings to each person truly invites each person into a place of life and wholeness and flourishing. We bless each one that's listening now. And we pray all this in your holy and mighty name. Amen.